You're listening to the Super Expander Podcast. Align goals are pivotal for expansion. You don't need me to tell you that. But what happens when your flame weakens? What really happens when it totally goes out? Reignite Your Goals starts with awakening to the emotions that pull you further and further away. Letting go of your shame, denial, and frustration, and figuring out why your body is resisting your goals are the key to success. Regulate your nervous system, release the blocks, and reassess your path forward because your goals are ready to be reset and reignited. Frenchie Forenzi is a business strategist and advisor for the overwhelmed but seriously ambitious experts and creatives. She keeps small business owners doing the right work at the right time so that they can stay on the path to consistent revenue growth. From having sold out launches to spending more time with their kids, she empowers her clients to achieve their biggest business goals without falling victim to the business grind. Let's dive in. Hello. Hello, Super Expanders, and welcome back to the show. I am sitting on the edge of my seat. So excited because this conversation today I know is going to knock your socks off because I'm sitting here with my dear friend. Welcome to the show, Frenchie Ferenzi. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to chat. I am so excited to chat too. So I always love to give just like a little background and context so everyone kind of understands how we come to be sitting here having this conversation. Because a little fun fact for everyone listening is that I hand pick every single guest that I have here on this podcast. And we're getting ready to cross over 200 episodes. And that's a lot of guests. So know that I literally go into the depths of like, who is going to, who do I know? Who can I bring to the table that's going to knock your socks off? And so today I was like, you know, Frenchie and I need to have a conversation. She is such a light, such a gift. And we met in a like a referral network that we are in together where it's really about building relationships and supporting each other from all diverse groups of and like backgrounds and businesses and that sort of thing. And then it was really funny. We find out that we're like kind of like almost neighbors. I mean, I'm in New York City so often that I almost consider myself a New York resident. And I was like, this is this is really funny. So I'm excited yeah. to to share you with with everybody here. And yeah. So there's no better way to start off than just knowing who you are deep down on a soul level because that's the best <laughs> that's the best way to open up a conversation, right? Of course. Of course. I mean I think it's nice to start things like really light, just like surface level. <laughs> yeah. So how's the weather? How's your soul? Exactly. You- <laughs> exactly. So who am I on a soul level? Oh my goodness. I feel like I would say my most like there's three qualities. I'm gonna call them all qualities, whether or not they all have positive foundations that have kind of like defined me over the course of forever, right? That like kind of follow me. So one of them is curiosity. I feel like I'm a person who just like always wants to know more and understand better and asks a lot of questions and is always asking why, sometimes to my detriment when people think that I'm just being a total a-hole when I'm like, but why? But really, I just am like, actually want to know why, right? I just want to know more. So I think that that has been one of the key like themes of me and who I am. I would say another key theme 
for me has been like my attachment or detachment or all of the above to loneliness and how much the feeling of loneliness, the experience of loneliness has been like so profound in in my life, whether real or perceived, right? Which I think is a whole other kind of thing. And then I think kind of alongside that, but I think the other piece has always just been like this constant pursuit coming into myself, right? Which like I guess is a common theme for a lot of people, but I from a very young age, I remember just like reflecting to myself and just being like, who am I? What am I? Who do I want to be? How do I control that? How do I not control that? And so when I think about who I am at a soul level, it's kind of like the then diagram of those three things that like really comes together to, yeah, just like shape my choices and my decisions and the work that I do and the work that I don't do and everything in between. Oh, the curiosity clashing with a little a little dose of loneliness so just when when you say loneliness i have to say because i i mean i think the human experience you could be immersed in community so knee deep in it with people all around you and you can still feel lonely and it's actually something that i say about new york city all the time is that it's the busiest loneliest city in the world or it can be mm-hmm. so i i can like totally vibe with where you're coming with that but when you say loneliness, do you mean that that's been a dance with finding connection or being okay with sort of that uh, no, deep knowing that like no one's coming to save you? It all comes down to you. And it, like, mm. I, I want to hear what you have to say about that. Yeah. I think it's both. And, you know, I think part of it is knowing that like, you know, whatever, like enjoying your own company. But that part's always kind of been like the easier part for me. I think the hard part has been like, I think probably the most notable part has been the role that like the worst kind of loneliness, self-abandonment comes into the conversation, right? And so yeah, there is a lot, sure, like, yes, I live in New York. I grew up in New York City. I've been around people forever. But like growing up, I grew up between two homes. And so I was always like a little bit of a chameleon, like trying to like make sure that I felt comfortable in one place and like kind of fit into the other place. So I feel like there are certain like thematic things like that where ultimately I was always more concerned with how with the external than the internal, right? Which created a lot of disconnection from the internal. And then that like kind of fosters both of those things that you spoke to, right? That sense of like, seeking connection, which is certainly something that's really important to me, but also being like, I can just be. (laughs) Yeah. When you, when you say just be, Mm -hmm. what does just being look like and feel like for you? So I think the look like is like the most visual way that I can kind of like the the easiest to communicate way that I can think of is not like silencing myself or quieting my, you know, silencing both verbally, like physically all of it for fear of like the other's reaction. Right. So I'm, I'm like a nice, well, I, I'm a kind person, right? Like I'm not just going to say something mean because I'm like, Oh, who cares about their reaction? But I also am much more comfortable now being like, no, I don't want to do X, Y, or Z, right? That doesn't feel like 
super good to me or thinking like, I don't owe it to whatever person in my life might think that I owe them my time. And like, how can I actually have both things? How can I feel really good about my choice? And how can I, how can I feel generous to them without completely feeling like I'm self-sacrificing? Mm, yeah. And how does that fit into coming back to yourself? Well, I, I think one, like I'm like a somewhere between like deeply feeling and deeply cerebral, which is a like a complicated <laughs> intersection. But I think in terms of coming back to myself, I think that it just, I think coming into the idea that like I as a person am not a problem to be solved, but like just another piece of the puzzle. Um, has been like one of the more reassuring realizations that I've kind of come to in my, in my journey, if you will. Because I think if you keep feeling like you need to fix yourself, right? Like if you're a fixer upper, like the work is like the fixer upper, a house can, the work can be done, but like yeah. on a personal level, the work is never done. And then you're always just like a fixer upper rather than like, I'm just a, Fine house with some, you know, some dirty grout or something. (laughs) (laughs) Can you tell I don't really like know much about houses? Oh my gosh. I just, of course, got this like visual of like a toothbrush cleaning, cleaning, cleaning grout when you said that. That's so funny. (laughs) But, but such a, I think it's actually such a beautiful analogy too, because it's so, so relatable for, I think, all of us. A, I think that the especially when when we start getting into this idea of evolution and growth, if you're in the coaching space or the personal development space, it can be like a constant journey of feeling like you're never going to get there. It's like this: the work is never done. And while I do believe that the work kind of is never done, but when we put the focus on it like that, then there's no enjoyment. It's kind of like if you are re if you are redoing a house and you buy a fixer upper, there's what you want to like finish a project and then kind of soak it in before you're like on to the next and moving the carrot to the next thing. It's like, okay, cool. We just painted this room. Maybe we should like spend some time in this room and like hang out in it, like let it feel good before we move on to the next project. Yeah. Well, I think like the other analogy that I think that I think of a lot, like in all this is like the anti-aging industry, right? Like it's like the one industry that is like, entirely based on an end goal that we all know doesn't exist right like we all eat whether or not we like look like it or don't look like it or look less like it like it is a fact that we age so the fact there's i mean just billions of dollars fueled towards not aging is like both funny and also very much i contribute to it in all the ways right i'm not judging it but self-improvement is a similar thing. And so there is that like, I really like that idea that you said about like pausing in the room and enjoying it because I think that there's like, I think self-improvement can get a little too close for comfort to perfectionism. And when it starts to lean into like, why am I not fixed yet? As opposed to like, I would feel better if I could work on this thing, which are like two very different sides of like one coin you end up feeling like you're broken rather than just feeling like there's just room for you to actually expand and feel better. 
Mm, yeah, absolutely. Okay. So this sort of intersection of all these things, curiosity coming into yourself, this like dancing with with loneliness and the human experience. How does that start to come forth in what you do in this world? Yeah. So it's there. I mean, I always kind of laugh because I'm like, I'm not a coach. I'm, I always call myself strategist. And it's like, well, it's like, I'm too bossy to be a coach. And I think the challenge is that I actually am like a deeply feeling person. And I have so much compassion and empathy for like the human experience. And I've seen in my own case, like my own emotional experience hijack me actually getting what I want. Right. And like Mm. my career growth, my intellectual development, right? Like the whole idea of like a performance mindset versus a growth mindset. And so the work that I do is really focused on helping business owners build, scale, and grow their businesses, right? Like build, grow, and scale. And I tend to focus like very squarely on like facts and data and evidence. And there's always room for the feelings that come up. But in terms of the role that I play in that, I am like very aware that one of the things that has helped me the most has been really looking at evidence as a tool to challenge my own beliefs, right? And so when I think about growth and business strategy, I really am thinking about, okay, what can we lean on that will help us trust the outcome and like really build the business that we want. And I think I really got to this because I was working in startups for a really long time. And most recently I was working at The Wing, which is like this like big co-working space in New York City. And I was the head of community there. And I really like, I did a lot there. And I grew, you know, the business from like 3,000 members to 12,000 members and four locations to 11 locations. And as a team, like what affected the actual performance of the business more than anything was not always having that distinction between like, you know, the ability to sometimes compartmentalize in a healthy way between like what is work and business and what is self and self-exploration. And there's obviously overlap. There is that Venn diagram, but not really being able to like distinguish that. It means that if anything goes wrong, you take it too personally or like all these things can start to like it can get very porous and problematic. And so what I really want, especially for entrepreneurs and individual business owners, is to actually feel like they can neutralize their relationship to their business, like take out some of the emotional charge where they can and actually look at it as like an equation, right? And like make it as cerebral as possible because I think that protects them a little bit and allows them to like really keep going and move forward. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so then where do you fall in the idea and thought about intuitive business decisions? Mm. So I love that question. I have my friend and um, Reiki mentor, Pamela. It's like, everyone's intuitive. It just means you're paying attention, which I kind of like. And it sounds a little bit like Glennon Doyle, who's like, I cry because I'm paying attention or, you know, and that sort of thing. I think intuitive business decisions are really powerful. And I actually tend to think that like intuition is really just like, well, it's like a well-oiled cognitive machine that's like integrating feelings and facts. And 
when you have that working in your favor, then you can actually just like listen to it and trust it. I think where it gets problematic is when we confuse fear and anxiety and intuition and they look different and they sound different and they feel different. Oh, absolutely. I, I like <laughs> the way that you talked about that too, because it's a, some when I talk about it and explain it, because I'm I fall with a little bit kind of like in the middle. I, I think intuition is there's a spirituality piece to it, but not in the way probably most people think about it. When I think of intuition and what I know it to be rooted in science, it's a pattern recognition machine. It is literally your brain is a computer and your intuition is the algorithm running that could, you could never actually, from a like cognitive standpoint, go, oh, I solved that. It would take you, it would be so slow when you're making decisions from that place in your brain in your, like your prefrontal cortex. That's like our you know, our critical thinking, that's actually slower than our subconscious, which is where your intuition really is coming from. Mm-hmm. But in that pattern recognition machine, we can make mistakes. It's not that it's foolproof because you get that advice of it being like, oh, your intuition never wrong. Well, if your intuition is making decisions based on a past version of yourself that experienced some kind of hurt or bad experience, whether it's in your business or in your childhood or whatever it is. And it's making that decision based on that and not on actual like proven data, then you're going to keep making mistakes that were from your past. And you're going to keep creating the same future unless you start to break that pattern. And so you have to be able to separate the two. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that comes full circle to this idea of like self-abandonment, right? Which is like, is this, okay, Right. And I think that's where I mean the transition. I've definitely experienced this and I'm sure a lot of other people have, right? Like there's this phase, there was this phase in my life where like trusting my intuition felt really, really difficult because I had to almost like deprogram some of my like early, you know, intuition like instincts. And then suddenly I was like, wait, which one is guiding me in the right direction? <laughs> which one is guiding me in the wrong direction? But as it's kind of like, you know, as I've had to make slower decisions and do more critical thinking around the decisions, then that kind of like rewires the the subconscious. Yeah, we have to bridge the gap between the two. You have to create an aligned relationship and partnerships between the two really most potent parts of your brain, right? Mm-hmm. And I, it's funny because I think that the sort of cognitive part because of the this I sensationalized spiritual side of, I guess, the personal development and growth and business world that gets kind of a bad rap, that cognitive. And we need both. We just need them to be friends instead yeah. of like bottleneck between the between them. Okay. So this kind of brings me to when we're talking about what you do in this conversation, you have a a really powerful story about how you kind of reinvented, pivoted into what like you're doing currently in this moment as you left the wing. And when I first heard this story, I was like, wow, this she's she's got guts, she's got grit. Like I really, I really like this lady. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Like, should I dive in? Like, do we yeah, want to hear the story? In. Yeah, share. I want <laughs> you to share. Share what you'd like to share or what you're willing to share here. So I think, you know, high level, when I was working at the wing, I mentioned like I was in a pretty senior role at the wing and it was a super formative experience in terms of learning how to really grow and scale at that level. 
for such a well-funded business and all that sort of thing. And I actually remember when I was interviewing for the wing, the person interviewing me told me like, our lawyer thinks that we're going to be one of the first like woman-owned billion-dollar valuated businesses, which did not happen. But it was just a super compelling time and place and moment in time to be a part of that organization. And I had my first baby in the fall of 2019. And I was on maternity leave until January 2019. I went back and then six weeks later, we shut our doors because of COVID and just, you know, a lot of change happened within the organization. We had massive layoffs. And around that time, there was actually like a pretty big article that came out really calling out some of the challenges that there were in the internal culture at the wing. That article, I think it came out on like March 17th, 2020. So it wasn't that it was unrecognized, but it kind of just like didn't really take off in the same way that it would have if like it hadn't been March 17th, 2020. Mm -hmm. And so anyways, that happened. And I was working like super hard, full time, all of it. And at the end of my time, well, so I guess, sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself here. But in June 2020, the wing had had, I think, a full round of layoffs in April. And then we were dealing with all sorts of, you know, just challenges from like a financial side, a revenue side, all of that. And we got to a point where suddenly we were also not only living through a pandemic, but through a moment in time of like really a lot of like civil unrest and George Floyd was murdered. And there was a lot of other incidents of like police brutality. And it really just brought to light the like social issues that have been brewing in the States forever. And with that came a little like a callback to that article that never really took off. Right. Like I think it's mm. like the best way to put it. And so within the organization at the wing, a lot started to kind of like unfold pretty quickly. So our CEO resigned. And then after she resigned, there was like a, like a digital strike, like a walkout, but it was digital of employees. And with that came a, well, then there was like another group of people. There's a lot of groups. There's a lot of groups. And basically one day I'm sitting in a meeting and I have a colleague and she's like, are you okay? And I was like, like, as good as anyone else here? Like, I didn't really know what she was getting to. And she's like, oh yeah, no, never mind. Um, Someone said something about like a petition. And I was like, oh, what? So like meeting ends and I just Google myself and I'm like, oh my gosh, how did my name end up on a petition demanding my termination? And this petition at that point in time had been signed by like 12,000 people. And I was just like, oh shit, right? And I think, you know, when you think about that, who am I on a soul level and the curiosity meeting, the loneliness meeting, the like journey of self-discovery, I was just like, I didn't know what to do with that information because the narrative that I had always told myself was like, I'm a decent person. Like I'm a good person, right? Like I make mistakes. I'm sure I've been rude to people, like all the things, but also like, I don't think that I deserve this like level, you know, being called out, canceled, what have you. And it was a really, really tough moment in time because I had to just like, one, be curious, right? Like clearly for my name to end up there, I had done things that had caused people some sort of pain and suffering, right? Whether directly or indirectly, whether it was my role within the organization or things that I like, you know, did directly. And 
beyond that, I think there was this other piece of really just like, but who do I want to be in the face of this, right? Like, this is a big knock. And who do I want to be when I get knocked down? And like, yes, this makes me feel entirely alone in the world. And like, nobody can really get this because how many people has this happened to? But what I realized was like, you know, working at the wing, I was so committed to my job that I did at times forget who I was as a person, right? And I think that's where the loneliness piece comes in. It's like, I let go of some of my core values. And I did some of it by choice. I did some of it with great awareness, maybe not like 2020 awareness, but like a decent amount of awareness where I was like, I'm pregnant. I'm going on maternity leave. Like, sure, there's things I don't agree with here, but like, I'm not looking for a job right now. Like, I just want to get paid my maternity leave and have like insurance benefits and all those sorts of things. So anyways, it ended in a very traumatic way. And I ended up getting laid off on the tail end of that, which like is not entirely shocking. And then I had a couple months where I was like really thinking about what I wanted to do. And the obvious choice was not necessarily to be like, oh, you know, I'm just going to put myself out there and start my own business. And yet that's really what felt like the most aligned thing to do. And the thing that felt the most reparative for me in all of it. Sorry, that was a long story. No. (laughs) So on the other side of that, yeah. How what was the healing process for you? Because I'm just thinking about how I might have felt in that particular instance. I mean, I've had many a dramatic, traumatic things in business and life, but I think when you kind of look at the numbers there, that it's really hard to wrap your head around. And so I could see the sort of mind fuck that that would be for you, for lack of a a better word there. It's a great word. Excellent (laughs) word. So what process, what did that look like for you? Yeah. So I think the ultimate like end goal of the healing process was really owning my story. And so Last August, I actually published an op-ed in The Independent all about my journey at The Wing and kind of my perspective. This was after The Wing had like officially shut down and it really focused on my perspective on the experience, you know, and what I took away from it. But first of all, it took time, right? Like it took two years, I would say, to really start feeling like I could own that and have a conversation around it and tell the story without feeling like deep shame or deep feelings of like, you know, like I really just like completely decimating myself in the face of it. And I think part of it was, I think being open to where I didn't know what I didn't know and giving myself permission, right, to be in that space of like, I am an imperfect human living in, God, I can't believe I'm going to say this, unprecedented times. <laughs> and I I think it actually like ultimately led to me really needing to give myself a break and give myself more grace than I've ever given myself. And, you know, really acknowledge the nuance of things, which like, it's hard. The internet is where nuance goes to die. So like, you know, today I can tell you like, that clearly some people felt harmed by whatever it is that I did. And I also know and really believe to the core that I never did anything that I think is so harmful to people, right? But like both things can be true. 
And that dialectic is like just such a tough place and space to live in Mm -hmm. because we want clear answers. Like the people who put me on that petition wanted to be right that like I am a bad person or that I deserve that and, you know, it should be called out for whatever I did. I wanted to be right that I'm a good person. And then I got to a point where I was like, I don't really know that good person is my is my ultimate end goal, right? Like, I obviously care about being a good citizen, but really, I think with that kind of going through the process, what I ultimately came to was like, want to be okay with being a work in progress. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's, yeah. Okay, so I feel like in all of that, to where you are now running your business, supporting people and growing businesses and bringing their talents and gifts into the world, whether that's through small businesses or whether that's through coaches or whatever it happens to be, there had to have been someone that really showed you that you know that, that all of this was possible, that you could kind of rise out of this place and space and own your corner of the world where you are now. Wait, sorry. Can you repeat that? This is someone who really, uh, you're a super expander. There had to have been someone that was oh, like yeah, the, yeah. The, the person who really showed you that all of this was possible for you. That was a role model or just somebody who inspired yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that there were a lot of people. I would say like the first person who comes to mind is Laura Belgray, who is someone who runs her own online business, copy, all those things. And Laura's husband, Stephen, was my boss in not at the wing, but in many of my jobs. And so I've always kind of had like eye on what she's been doing. And when I was like thinking about shifting, I was like, I wonder if I could do something like that. Because I had this real moment where after the wing, I was like, I had always thought that I would start my own business. But then after the wing, I was like, well, I don't want a VC backed business, which means I need to capitalize on something that is like has very low overhead. (laughs) And so I think looking to her just like really gave me a sense of what was possible in a really, you know, major way. And then I think the other person, and this is like so cheesy, but my husband, he didn't necessarily light the path for me, but he just was like, well, it's a dark path, but I'll stand next to you while we walk down it. So it's like a little less scary. And I think having that um, was really, really helpful. Oh my gosh. Yeah, absolutely. We need somebody to, to hold us in those, in those moments and so powerful. And it can just be, I don't, I don't really have to say anything. It's just knowing yeah. that they're there is yeah. super expansive. Totally. So tell me and everyone listening, what do you got mm-hmm. cooking right now? What are all the ways that people can get into your world and experience that? Yeah, my stuff. Yeah. Um, your stuff. So I'm like, what can you do? So one of my favorite sayings is stay close to the money, which essentially from like a business perspective is just like make sure that you're like doing the work that keeps you around the prize. So I have like a freebie guide to that, which like I would definitely suggest you download. Also, that way you'll get like invites to any events that I'm hosting. I host like a free workshop almost every month, almost. So lots to do there. And then I'm also on Instagram a lot and I'm always love to just like chat and have conversations with people. So you can find me there and connect there. Okay. Well, you guys, we'll make sure all of that 
is in the show notes for you for with just ease. You can scroll down there. Go follow <laughs> Frenchie for one. Say hi. Let her know that you found her here and listen to her on the Super Expander podcast. Maybe even crazy. Snap a like shot of your favorite, you know, like post it on on Instagram and stories and tag us. Tell us like what your your favorite takeaway was, the that aha moment, whatever it happens to be. Cause that's always fun. And then make sure you go and download her free guide. I mean, who doesn't need to stay close to the money? I mean, geez, I think I'm going to go download it because I didn't even, (laughs) I don't even believe I haven't done that yet. So I'm going to be joining (laughs) you guys in downloading that, that freebie. Thank you so much for, for being here today, for sharing your story, for sharing your wisdom. So appreciate you. If there was one sort of like parting words of wisdom for someone whether they're kind of like going through something tough or whether it's from like a business perspective, what just first thing that comes to mind, what do you want to leave everybody with? Yeah. I would say like when your instinct is to shut down, like you usually have to open up. Mm. I like that. It's always, you know, those things that we want to avoid or that where the avoidance or the resistance is, is really where the answer is, is where the work is the all all the magic is is tucked in that little i don't even know the ick it's it's on yeah, the other side the, of all of it the <laughs> ick well said well said <laughs> oh my gosh thank you so so, thank you so much. much for having me this was such a fun conversation we will catch you on the next episode like a fire needs oxygen and fuel You're not meant to reach your goals alone. Your missing part could be as simple as finding the right community. And if it's not my community, there's definitely the right one out there for you. If you're looking for a place to start, check out the link in the show notes and let this community help you breathe in fresh oxygen.